The reading this morning is from uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1, on page 833 in the Church Bibles. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, Rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray, shall we? Father, would you open our eyes to your word now? These are not earthly words, they're from your lips. Father, please help us to 
take them seriously, to be encouraged, to learn, and to be determined to walk with you. Father, whatever's just from the preacher, we pray you'll blow it away. And whatever's from you, Father, would you make it lodge in our spirits, our hearts, and our minds, so we can glorify you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't close your Bibles, please. You might need them. We were just away at the Christian Medical Fellowship Conference and the preacher got up on the first night and said, anything I say, if it's not in the Bible, don't believe a word of it. Absolutely right. If I send you scuttling back to the scriptures to see if these things are so, I'll have done you a favor. Living under the cross together. We've been going through Colossians, haven't we? There's a bit more to squeeze out. And in particular, we've been going to be talking about being a church more without walls. There's more coming of that, I assure you, in the weeks coming. So if the walls suddenly fell down here, what do people see? Next slide, please. There's Cairns Road, as um, from Google Street View. Okay. And all of a sudden, you think, well, actually, you know, what do all these folks around about us think when they look at us? What if they could see right into the church? What would they think? What about church on Monday morning, when we're all out there, when the people are looking at us? Some of us, the only Bible that they'll ever read. Okay? How we are, to God's glory, is a big deal. And Colossians 3 isn't meant to beat us up. It's meant to say, think, turn this over in your mind. So easy to be squeezed into the mold of this world. Just do what everybody else does. No, it can't be like that in the church. All right? We need to show these people how it's done. We need to show these people how to handle the problems in life, even if we feel we haven't got a good handle on them. And also how to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever we do. Next, please. And the first thing Paul says is, will you look up? All right? It's so easy to get embroiled in all the things that we have to deal with. Yes, we have to deal with them. Of course we do. But he says, first of all, will you look up? Remind yourself you don't belong here. We need to show the people around about that we, we're not comfortable in just settling down in our comfortable middle-class mediocrity. Okay? No. We belong to the Lord Jesus. We're going somewhere else. We're on pilgrimage. We're going to heaven. That's where our home is. And... You know, if we were to live as if, you know, it wouldn't make sense if there wasn't a heaven, then I guess, you know, people these days believe what people do. They don't believe what people say so much. They've got too used to people lying to them, I guess. But if a Christian is someone whose life would make no sense if there were no God, then also we should be seen as a fellowship who's going somewhere else. Okay, next one. I actually love the way the message puts this. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed by the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert what's going around Christ. That's where the action is. Okay? Whether you like current affairs and that kind of thing, it can be a pretty depressing business. Hey, there's something better to think about as well. All right. Next one, please. Cross means you're going to glory. So... Don't expect all that much of this world, will you? Next, please. I'm quite sure when we get to glory, we'll look back and think, 
why ever was I so captivated with all that? I'm sure there are things that we'll sort of recognize because, you know, this world is very, very nice. You've got to admit that for the majority of us at any rate. When we look back from glory, that we put so much weight on earthly things, though, I think we'll be scratching our heads and think, why were we like that? You know, didn't we remember where it was we are going? Next one, please. Um, Paul says, remember your old way of life. It ended up there, all right? It belongs there, not in our hearts anymore. The old you died with the death of Christ. You were raised to life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the old chorus that we used to sing back in the 1960s, no turning back, no turning back. Because that's right, there is no going back. We can't go back to the world. We've tasted something of the world to come, and it's made us hungry for the world to come. Next one, please. You fancy living there? Looks quite nice, doesn't it? It's a lodge near Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Next, please. C.S. Lewis has got a lovely quote. He says, okay, our Heavenly Father gives us some pleasant inns along the way, but he won't allow us to mistake them for home. This world isn't home. We get some nice inns along the way, don't we? They're not home. We need to lift our eyes to where we're going. Okay, that's a good start, isn't it? And then Paul comes down to earth with a bump. And he says, okay, you're going somewhere else. Some things just don't belong in God's church anymore. All right? If we're going to be transparent, a church without walls, a church there on Monday morning so people can see us, what are the kind of things that will make them think these guys are going someplace else? Next, please. Three things he picks out. Disordered sexuality, the idolatry of greed, the tongue being poison rather than balm. Whoa, all of a sudden it's very in your face, isn't it? Are those things more important now than back in uh, when Paul wrote this? Well, no, they're about the same, I guess. They're all pretty important. If you want to be a church without walls, a few weeds could do with coming up. And the scriptures put this ever so gently and ever so nicely for us. But they're insistent. Come on. Things have gone. Things have come. You're going someplace else. Next one, please. When did you last hear anyone had the guts to mention sexuality in a sermon? I'm doing it not because that's great, but because it's there in the scriptures. Okay? This is what Paul says. It's a gift of God. Okay? Believe it or not, despite what you might have read in some Christian books, it's supposed to make us happy, not miserable. Being a man or a woman is a gift of God, just like your color is, your height, your weight, and other things. You're supposed to enjoy being a man or a woman. You're supposed to enjoy actually finding the other sex attractive, you know. These things are gifts of God, they're not evil. Believe it or not, sexuality is something you can go and talk to God about. It was his idea. You know, it's not something that the fall gave us. It's something that creation gave us. Okay, next please. I don't know about you, but many Christians beat themselves up about their sexuality. The fact is, God loves you. He knows you back to front. 
He forgives when you come to him in repentance. Let me ask you this. When did Satan ever forgive you anything? So why do you listen to him? Next one, please. These are the sorts of things that Christians often say. God can't use me. Let me ask you this. How often in this past week did you think about God? A few times? How many times last week did you have thoughts of a sexual nature? Of course you did. We all did. Sexuality is God's gift. How do we handle it to the glory of God? And then other people will say, well, my body actually is a sinful thing and my spirit is a holy thing. I have to tell you, that is not Christian thought. That's Aristotle and Plato, would you believe? Do you really want to live your life by their ideas? God made both. There's a book in the Bible called The Song of Solomon. Are you embarrassed by it? Have you read it recently? You know, they say, oh, it's all about Christ and the church. Yes, I believe it's a, it is a parable of that. But then you're saying that God has no qualms about comparing his relationship with the, ter- with the church with a sexual relationship. We need to think ourselves clear about what the scriptures say about sexuality. And we need to show the world out there how we can handle this. Not in the way the world does, but in the way God intended us to. Do you remember Jesus had all the time in the world for people who had fallen in this way? What he didn't have time time for was people who were full of themselves, who thought of themselves as rather special and wonderful. And we need to be that as a church too. If we're serious about other people who are unchurched coming into this fellowship, some of them who have a particular problem in this area will come. We have to behave them like the Lord Jesus did when he met people in his day and have our arms open to them. Okay, next please. Did you enjoy it? It was quite nice, wasn't it? It was lovely. It was a pretty Christian wedding, all right? And all these people who think they're all so modern, some of them were, had very soft eyes. Okay, next please. Fact of the matter is that people do notice a man and a woman pledging themselves to each other in the sight of God and all their friends. Beautiful. God intended it like that. Okay? People actually follow role models, whether it's Hello Magazine or what they see on the telly and this kind of thing. People are actually far more suggestible than you think. Will you be a role model for the people around about you? in this area, because that's what God wants. Okay, next please. Do you remember this? I apologize to anyone here who's American, because that is an American dollar. Okay, next please. No, we don't. It's the next thing he comes on to. Just as bad. I don't know. If you think someone is sinning sexually in the church, that's dreadful, isn't it? But what if somebody fiddles their tax returns? Is that as bad? The Bible says, yes it is. Okay, greed is awful. It's unbecoming to a Christian. Why? Well, because our Heavenly Father owns everything on a thousand hills. He can give us anything he wants. He has promised that we'll have our daily bread. We're told to ask for our daily bread. So being greedy and grabbing everything for yourself, is that compatible with a godly life? No, it's not. It's not. That's the world. 
okay, or it was perhaps until the crash, people would actually go around in business saying, greed is good, you know. I'm not sure anyone believes that anymore. You saw all the long faces as the sort of uh, stock market did that, okay. It's not good. But people are starting to talk again as if just having a lot of money is all that matters. Folks, not in the church. If you're rich, you don't have preeminence in the church. You don't. Because it's not like that in God's kingdom. If somebody comes in, James says, who's poor, and you sit him at the back, shame on you. If someone who comes in is rich and you put him at the front, shame on you. Because that's not the church. That's the world. Let the world be the world, but the church has got to be the church. And Paul says here, come on, let's show them. Let's show them what we think of this world's cash. Okay? We refuse to trust in it. We're only going to trust in God. And we want everybody to see. Next, please. You ever felt like that's what happens to your money? All right. Martin Luther had a wonderful one. I love him. He said, I've had many things in my hands. I've lost them all. But whatever I placed in God's hands, God's hands I still possess. Actually holding our stuff with empty hands is really quite a witness. People grab onto stuff. Have you seen the mile adverts? There's this lady sort of, ah, I've been to the mile. Surrounded by all these things she's bought. Almost as if she's had an ecstatic pleasure in this kind of thing. I don't know, when the mall first opened, we actually had some people carted into casualty, having fainted. I think they saw the prices, but, you know, <laughs> basically, folks, is that really what you get ecstatic about? Okay, it's nice to have stuff. If you can't hold stuff with open hands, well, why is that? Why are you grasping so hard? Can we show the people outside there, if the walls come down, what we think of stuff? Next one, please. Oh, can we go back one? Yeah, one of the more useless things you can say to a lady is, but you already have a handbag. <laughs> and I'm sure you ladies can say something very suitable about the things on the right. It's not that these things are not good gifts of God, but folks, open hands. If God chooses to take them away, would you be happy to say, bless the name of the Lord? I can live without these if he wants me to. We need to show folks round about us what it's like to handle stuff. Next one. And then there's this whole business of what we say. It's not just walking the walk, folks. It's talking the talk. Our tongues need to glorify God. Some things have got to go. Rage, malice, slander, gossip which is the art of confessing other people's sins, and this kind of thing. It's got to go, guys. It's got to go. It's not worthy of the kingdom of God. It isn't. Next, please. James has a lot to say, doesn't he? He talks in the top about people who are religious and can't control their tongues. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I read that through. Beats me up a bit. But, folks, our tongues like Job's here, should be able to bless people. And out of the same mouth should not come blessing and cursing. It shouldn't. On the other hand, people should hear what God is like from us. Now, if 
you find you get really irritated by people at work and this kind of thing, as happens to me, and your temptation is to explode at them and this kind of thing. Do you know what? You need to live with slightly bigger margins, you know, so you don't actually get quite like that quite so often. But our speech has to glorify God. Go and listen to those people and hear how they speak. It's remarkable. Got that said of you? Next one, please. I'm sure you've... uh, This could be in most situations. It would do nicely in the health service, wouldn't it? But that's just happened to be where I come from. Next one, please. Do you want intimacy in this fellowship? Well, you don't get much more intimate than a kiss on the lips, do you? And Proverbs says that's what an honest answer is like. If you want intimacy with each other, tell the truth, Paul says. Don't lie to each other. Always the truth. Okay? Since you've taken off the old self, and Ephesians says something very similar, because you belong to each other, all right? A kiss on the lips, the truth. Okay? Not unkind now, but the truth. You go and talk to those people, they'll tell you the truth. They will. They won't pull the wool over your eyes. They won't try and sort of hustle you into something you don't want. They'll tell you the truth. Next one, please. This is what we should be. Two ears, one mouth. Should listen twice as much as we talk. Oh dear. That immediately tells me to shut up. I talk too much. Far too much. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing good about having a short fuse. We should be slow to get angry. There's everything good about being quick to listen. And everything good about being slow to speak. You know that sort of big post that says, everybody has the right to my opinion? Well, I actually don't think that should characterize us. The Bible says here, be quick to listen. Next one, please. So, people look at us and say, see how these Christians love one another and love God. See how they manage these three, their sexuality, their stuff, and their tongues. Very in your face, isn't it? But the Bible's like that. God knows us, and he loves us, so he speaks plainly to us. Next, please. Do you want some new clothes? Spring, after all, isn't it? What should people see when they look at us? Well, Ken's road is scruffy. You know, the other day I came in in some suit trousers because I'd just come from work and I felt strangely out of place. Hey, who cares? That's our clothing. I love the picture. There's a lady looking in a mirror and taking a picture of herself with a mobile phone to send to her friends to say, what do I look like? That's perhaps a little bit too much and overdone. I'm not sure you have to do that when it comes to spiritual clothing. But that's what we want folks to see. Is it not? Next one, please. Many, many people have been brought into the church who struggled with the doctrinal side of things, but because they could see the compassion and the kindness of God's people. And I have to say, some people are turned off God simply by the lack of kindness and compassion of his people. They need to see us clothed with compassion and kindness. Next one, please. Forgiveness is a key Christian skill It's done in faith, in obedience to God. It can be easy, it can be horribly difficult. It doesn't depend on the other person's contrition. It's putting Jesus above the pain and letting God sort it out. Say, I'll take my hands off. I will not 
hold that person in debt to me. I won't. I will go and be reconciled to them simply because that's what God is asking me to do. The world can't understand that. It's very impressed and it doesn't understand. Do you remember that lovely Christian man when his daughter was killed at a bomb in Enniskillen who simply said on the news, um, you know, it hurts like anything, I'm torn in bits and I forgive the guys who did it. Just like that. And a lot of people were startled and said, how'd you do that? Yeah, how'd you do that? Only because you can do it with faith in Jesus. Forgiveness is hard going and it's also a key skill for Christians. People need to look at us and see we don't hold grudges. We don't. We forget other people's sins to us and we get on with life. Next one, please. Fancy an elegant coat over the top. The Bible says, over all these things, put on love. It's the first thing people see then, and it holds everything else together, okay? What's more, you'll catch your death of cold without it in this world. And yes, you can wear it most days, whatever the weather is. Your outer garment, people need to see something of the love of God. However well or poorly you think you reflect it, that's what Paul's saying here. Next, please. And then he has a couple of other things to say. Be a community characterized by peace, the peace of God. Okay? Is peace easy in this world? Often, very much not. But he says, because as members of one body, this is your calling, to be at peace with each other. God is asking you to. Okay? Next. These are just some quotes. This is a nice one from Augustine. Trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. If you can hand over your anxieties to God in this way, yes, some of God's peace will come and settle down in your hearts. The Lord Jesus' legacy to us was, my peace I give you, not actually like earthly peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Why? Because there's not going to be any trouble. On the contrary, there will be. He's just been telling about it. But each day will bring me. Because for a Christian, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. And if you need peace in a situation, take your situation into God's presence. Next, please. Just said the same. Next one. Almost finished. And then Paul says, let God's word have the run of the house in your heart, in your house, in your church. All right? Let God's word dwell in you richly, not a little bit, richly. And everything you do needs to be based on God's word. As you teach, as you gently help each other, as you sing in worship, it all needs to come out of God's word. Let God's word guide you, keep you, protect you. Sink yourself in it. Get it into your brain and your heart and your spirit. Next one. Do you remember Psalm 1? Do you want to be like a tree stuck by the waterside? I'll sooner not be a fir, but never mind. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, but whose delight is in God's law, God's word. And he meditates on it frequently. That person is like a tree which has got plenty of water. Good and strong and looking quite nice as well. Okay? 
What do we want people to see in us? They want to see a church where God's word has the run of the place. Where God's word is what happens. Where God's word is heard and the people take it away and they live it out. Next one. Very last thing he says and the very last thing I will say. Simply this. Do everything, whether it's something you say, something you do in God's church in the name of Jesus. What's all that about? Well, a number of things. It'll stop you, for a start, before you talk and think, can I say this, can I do this in the name of Jesus? Because if you can, God bless you. Take the Lord Jesus with you. If you're not sure whether you, you, you can really do something or not, just ask yourself, can I really do this in the name of Jesus? And those of you who are in positions of authority in the church, think this, uh, and think it carefully. We cannot forget in whose name we are doing things. All right? We're not doing things in our own name in the church. Whatever you do for Christ, you do in the name of Christ, and it needs to honor him. It's a good guide if you want to think, well, okay, we're going to do this and that in this church. Let's just think, can you say in the name of Jesus as you do it? Whoa, there's a whole load of stuff. Paul doesn't muck around, does he? He puts everything very straightforward. He says, just turn these things over in your mind. Don't go away thinking, oh, for heaven's sake, I can't be like that, I can't be like that. Turn them over in your mind. Think them through. People do look at us. And in the grace of God, God puts us out there as his ambassadors. As a fellowship, what do we look like if all of a sudden the walls fell down? And as people, please God, come in and join us and see us. Are we the sort of people who welcome notorious sinners? Are we prepared to do that, just like the Lord Jesus did? Are we prepared to be bad-mouthed because we welcome notorious sinners? Are we prepared to be really like our Heavenly Father? Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we love you. We really do, with your patience and your grace with us. Lord, you are just so good. You take your time with us. You're so patient and gentle. Father, sometimes we have to confess we're not very like that. And we just thank you for your word and just ask you to help us to walk well with you in all these areas of life we've talked about this morning. Father, help us to be an example to the unbelievers. Help us to honor and glorify you and bring, bring pleasure to your heart in how we walk in this world, we pray. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit to do this? Because, Lord, we're pretty sure we can't do all this on our own. And, Father, just help us to hear the name of Jesus ringing in our ears all through this week, we pray. In his name, amen. Thank you.